And it is the road trip show here today with Diedrich and he's back from his uh, coach trip. How was it? Good on afternoon. Coach trip? <laughs> how's it? How's it? How's it? You're up. Swimming. I'm swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I think Durban is swimming even worse. Yeah, than no, Durban are. is swimming even worse. And no, that's tragic. That's not, that's, that's not cool. And, uh, yeah, what can I say? It was very, very nice to be back on the road again. I haven't done a coach tour now. I think it was the first time in almost three years. Yeah. With these lockdowns. Yes. So some interesting interesting perspectives I think that we can sit and talk about on this one. And yeah, and I've had the contrast. I had the, the two people trip the father and the daughter that I spoke about last time yes. we were here. Then I missed I think I missed the last two Tuesday or the last two Wednesdays with you. That's it, yeah. And now we're back again. So you know, I've gone from one extreme of two people to having eighty 80 packs arriving <laughs> at once and the challenges with that one. And it's a, a lot of the folks that arrived had already booked for the 20, for the 2020, yeah, 2020 tour. Yeah. And then it was, then it was going to be 2021 and then that got canned and eventually now it obviously happened in 2022. Cause, uh, 2020, the, the tour literally got canceled 10 days before the folks arrived. Yeah. We went into that, um, horrendous, stupid lockdown. Yes. And, <laughs> It was interesting. It was really, really interesting. I mean, the the, the flights, of course, are a, were a heck of a challenge. You don't just get 80 people onto a flight. And that's the operator's um, baby. Oh, yeah. So the way, <laughs> the way this works is there's an operator who's based in Utah in the USA who yes. puts these massive groups together, and he sends them all over the world. And South Africa is one of his destinations. Okay. And, you know, 80, 80 packs – you don't just get onto an aeroplane, especially when the airlines are only just starting to revamp yeah. <laughs> and get their flights up and running. Yes. So, of course, a hundred questions came. Well, why didn't you fly direct? Well, eight, nine months ago when the flights started getting booking and we started looking at it and even two, three, four months ago, the direct flights weren't, weren't back yet. So these packs, honestly, they came, they came from the U.S. They all went into Atlanta. Atlanta, they flew to, I think they flew to Amsterdam. Oh yeah, and then from Amsterdam they flew flew to Cape Town. Okay. So the by the time these poor guys arrived, I think some of them had been in the air for like twenty four hours. Oh wow! No, horrendous, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> you <laughs> could see the zombies arriving through the through the gate <laughs> in Cape Town. Yeah. And it was a late arrival. They only arrived at like I don't know, half past ten or eleven o'clock at night. Oh yeah. And kind of it's... sad to see Cape Town Airport deserted. Is it absolutely deserted? Myself and the other guide, obviously we've got to split the group into two. There's no such thing as an eighty-seater bus, yeah. So we've got two yeah. coaches for the for the group, and we're sitting in an, in the international arrivals hall, and it's deserted. We there we two people. And there's like another sprinkling of five or six folks, yeah, in international arrivals. All the shops are closed. I mean, look, fair enough, and it is. It was eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, but yeah, true. But yeah, just kind of heartbreaking to see that we saw the flight land. Big British Airways, um, Airbus, or some description landed. The folks came through. We then we got them through to um, the hotel near the waterfront. But again, you know, you 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 hit Cape Town. And Cape Town. I mean, it's it's got to be the most beautiful city on the earth, on the planet, yeah. when the sun is shining. But your introduction to Cape Town is Cape Town Airport. Yeah. 
And of course, the the porters at the airport all watch for the tour guides because you got your little rugby ball badge on, saying tour guide, little you know the little South African flag badge. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. You got to have a qualification as tour guide in order to take people around the country. Yes, yes. And of course, they watch for that, and then they, then they know there's a group arriving. Oh yeah. And of course, then the porters, <laughs> the porters also been staffed of work for the last for the last three years. Yeah, of course. So one or two yeah. of them walk up, hi, sir. Come I said, all, all I need is I need you to help me pack the coaches. That's all I want. The, the clients are going to come with trolleys. They'll walk their own stuff. Just help me pack and load the coach. No, yeah. shop. One or two guys, a lacquer, they come along and negotiate a bit of a price. And for an hour's work, it's a good rate. Yeah. You know, it's not, not even an hour's graft. But then, of course, you get the one militant guy who comes and sort of muscles his way in. He demands that it's now his job. He demands this. He demands that. And he then demands, no, but on the website, it's 35 rand per suitcase or something. I said, pal, you, you, you're dreaming. Yeah. There's no way I'm paying you four and a half or 5,000 rand for an hour's work. Yeah. It's just not happening. And you already made a deal with the other guys. Yeah, and you already made a deal with the other guys. So, you know, those porters at the airport are the bane of our resistance. They're very nice. They're very useful. Yes. Fantastic. Yes, load the coach. They know how to pack a coach. But, I mean, five grand for an hour's graft is just not going to happen. And it just... No. Again, it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth that the clients see you fighting with this guy because he gets all belligerent with you in front of the clients. Yeah. And he starts swearing at you when you don't pay him his 5,000 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think, I think every, single, every single tourist guide in the country will agree with me that the, that the porters at Cape Town Airport are terrible. And the oh. airport's company really needs to have a look at those guys and teach them some manners. It, was, it, just, it just left a bad one. You know, here you are. Yeah. You're excited. You've got your first group and I don't know how long... And the very first interaction you got with the service provider is you're having a fight with the porter. Yeah. But anyway, get to the hotel, into the hotel, all lacquer. Next day, we had the most stunning day up, up um, Table Mountain. Oh, yes. It was probably one of the 10 clearest days I've had in my life. Standing on top of Table Mountain, you could see all the way up through to Saldana Bay. Oh, nice. It was crystal, nice. crystal clear. It was absolutely magnificent. And luckily, the, the itinerary, we only had to be... At our next appointment, like I think it was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So that we had a late, late departure to give the clients a little bit of a chance to catch up on their sleep and try and adjust to the jet lag. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> up Table Mountain. And, it, and it's nice because you get a bit of exercise. You can do a little bit of walk around, all the little pathways on top there. Yes. Yeah. If you, if you really don't want to, you can sit at the little cafe there and have something to drink or something to eat up there. But it was absolutely magnificent, absolutely beautiful. And I'm going to moan about the prices everywhere. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they are, they are you know, and it's some, it's, I think it's something our industry in general needs to have a very, very serious hard look at. Yeah, we've got to make the, we've got to keep it an affordable destination, and it's all very nice going. Ah, oh, but it's on international standards. Ah, oh, it's the same price as they charge in America. Oh, fantastic! Yes, but that's not going to help us because they're going to stay in America because the prices are the same. It doesn't. There's yeah. no benefit coming out to um, to South Africa. So. Um, but I mean, look, Table Mountain one of those iconic things. You've got to do Table Mountain, but it's absolutely magnificent. Yeah, you know, and we've—I think we've discussed Table Mountain on one or two of the other podcasts. But again, it's one of those—it's one of those spots I'll always go. There's a couple of spots that I can leave alone and just send the clients. Yeah, but yeah. Table Mountain, I will always go up that mountain when I got half a chance. It's—it's it's <laughs> always different. It's always—it's always, it's always yeah. absolutely stunning. Oh, and Table Mountain, I will, be, I, will, I will begrudgingly give them their their, their price for Table Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> if I've if I got to compare it to that afternoon, of course, now um, the operator 
somewhere in an itinerary, you always got to, you got to sort of, when you plan these itineraries, you got to put in all the different aspects of South Africa and this and the bits of the history and the bits and pieces, yes. et cetera, et cetera. So somewhere you got to have like the Anglo-Boer War. Somewhere you got to have yeah. Jan van Riebeck. Somewhere you got to have the Dutch East India Company. Somewhere, you know, you got to have all these little elements that make up these the, bits the, the, and this country of us. Yeah. And of course, one of the, one of the things is the struggle. <clears throat> We've covered the struggle, the iconic struggle spots on, on again, one of the other podcasts. And yeah. this particular operator has chosen to do Robin Island. Oh yeah. You know, Robin Island, whole world knows about it. It's the yes. spot. Nelson Mandela was there. The whole story yeah. about the, the guys on, on Robin Island. And I swear Robin Island makes it as t- difficult as possible to actually get there. Is it? <laughs> you cannot just book. You can't book online. The online system doesn't work. Oh, lovely. So my buddy who's worked with me now for 10 or, 10 or 12 or even 14 years with this particular operator yeah, um, gets tasked about two, three weeks before the tour to now go and get the Robin Island tickets. Okay. Robin Island then okay. insists on, previously they insisted on a name list and yeah. passport numbers. Okay. Okay. So, operator in the US now has to get passport numbers of everybody. He's probably got it already for the flights and the flight bookings and stuff, so it's not yeah. too much, too much issue. And that, that came about because a couple of years back they had that, that incident in Robin Island where one of the boats got swamped. Oh, yeah. And the National Sea Rescue Institute, of course, goes racing out there to go rescue the Robin Island Ferry. And Robin Island Ferry didn't know who was on board. Oh, yeah. They didn't have the count. And after oh, that, dear. they revamped the system to now, like, double, triple, quadruple check who's exactly on board of the, of the boats up and down to Robin Island. So that's where this thing comes from. Yeah. And you get yeah. it. You've got to know how many people are on board. Yeah. But now, of course, they take it to the next level. Now you've got to have the name and the passport number. So my buddy gets there. He's got the money in his bank account to pay them. No, now they also want copies of the passport. Oh, my word. And I go, pal, that's just not going to happen. There's no ways I'm getting 80 cap copies of passports emailed or, or sent or yeah. whatever halfway across the planet. People don't like sending passport details yeah. publicly. They just emails <laughs> or whatever. They're just not going to do it. You don't know what happens to your yeah. passport details. Anyway, so eventually he manages to get the booking done. Yeah. But then he can't pay all at once because the system doesn't accept that much money all at once. And I've got to pay twice. Oh, <laughs> Lord. No. It's, 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 it's insane. Oh. And you'd expect these guys. I mean, this is the iconic, yeah. this is the iconic anti-apartheid venue with millions and millions of rands of boats and infrastructure and a booking yeah. office at the waterfront. The whole, the whole katuti. Anyway, yeah. eventually we get the tickets. We have one or two name changes now. A couple of days and week before the before the tour, one one of the couples, the the, the wife gets sick, so now father decides to come with daughter. You know, yeah, these last minute shuffles. Last minute shuffles happen. One guy cancels. They find another guy. And suddenly wants to join in. Okay. Do you think we can get the name change of Robin Island? Oh. We can get the name change of the airplanes. We can get the name change of the flights. We can get the name change of the hotels. We cannot get the name changed at Robin Island because once once that ticket is issued on that name, it's casting concrete. Oh my soul! So anyway, so we we, we get to Robin Island now. We hand out the tickets, and they make this huge kudunta. You got to now arrive there like an hour and a half before. It's like it's, it's like almost like longer than a, yeah. than a domestic flight. Flight, yeah. <laughs> 
then you you go there with your ticket and you have to have a form of identification with you. Okay. And you had to have a COVID pass. Oh. <laughs> Lord. Yeah. So we actually well, we were actually looking at this and there's this guy standing at the door and he and he gets the ticket and he looks at the name list and he looks at the the ID and I, and I thought, let me just check exactly how they do this. And I asked one or two folks to actually swap their passports around. So husband had wife's passport and wife had husband's yeah. passport. Yeah. And the guy looks at it. He looks at the passport. He looks at the photo. He looks at the name. He looks at the person. He says, that's fine. Go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I thought so. I so, thought so. So, you know, you, you look at this and you go, here I am wasting like an hour and a half of Cape Town time with this massive group of people standing in this queue yeah. for Robin Island. To get through this, and then they go security, and it's an X-ray machine, and they pat you down, and you empty your pockets, and yeah, it's it's, it's nuts. You're going on a ferry to Robben Island. What are you gonna do? Hijack hijack the boat to Robben Island? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, come I, I, on. I don't, I don't get it. It's not Fort Knox. It's yeah, not the Windsor Palace. Yeah, and the, the boat was scheduled, <laughs> I think, to leave at three o'clock or half or four o'clock, whatever it was. Yeah. And guess what? They were an hour and a half late. Oh, so yeah, so, <laughs> surprise, surprise. I don't know. I don't know. That, that Robin Island, they really need to revamp that story. It is one of the spots to go and visit, but that circus of getting the folks there yeah. just makes you turn around and go, you know what? It's not the amount of effort involved in getting the guys there is just, just too much. Yeah, yeah. You must actually write them a mail. No, or we, something did. And my, my, we did. We did. My, my buddy in Cape Town knows the Shadow Minister of Tourism. Oh, yeah. And he just answered back and he says, sort of throws his hands up. He says, that's what it is. <laughs> that's just what it is. <laughs> and it, again, it's just, it, you know, you've got such a beautiful venue at the <clears throat> waterfront, the, you know, yeah. and, and you sit with this, with this. With mentality. I don't know, with mentality and, and just incompetence. Yeah. But anyway, so there's, so there's Robin Island. The folks eventually come back. The hotel's walking distance of the waterfront. So they all go, went and had dinner and they all come back. Wow, fantastic. Jeez. We cannot believe we eat so well for such such cheap prices in South Africa. Because yeah. <laughs> compared compared to the US or compared to Europe, we are we very very cheap when when it comes to food and dining and stuff. Yeah, we are yeah. very very cheap. Anyway, so now next day, of course, we now do the Cape Peninsula tour, and uh, off you go. Now, Hout Bay is sort of always your first stop there. And you do the little trip out to um, Daker Island, which has got that big seal colony on it. Yeah, so Hout Bay, Seal Island, off to Daker Island is the seal colony. And we arrive, arrive there again. No, you're not on this boat, you're on that boat. Okay, why are we now suddenly I booked with you guys and now we're on this boat? Apparently some guys bought up all the boats in Hout Bay. Oh. And forming it under <laughs> one company because it's just not in that business yet to, to yeah. sustain it. At least they, At least they've survived. And again, that's also a stunning, stunning little trip um, out to the seal colony. There's like three or four. I think there's five thousand seals sure. on, on this yeah, on this wow. on this little wave swept rock out there. The little cruise around Hart Bay. Gap. Then, of course, the drive up over over Chapman's Peak, which is absolutely stunning. That's one of the most scenic drives I think in the world. Sort of the most scenic um, coastal drives anywhere yeah. in the world over Chapman's Peak. Absolutely beautiful. And then you're going down the, the the seaboard, and eventually you now get down to Cape Point. Oh yes, yes. And the Cape Point National Park. 
And again, you sit there and the prices, I think, I think my two coaches were 38,000 Rand to get two coaches into, into Cape Point. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, again, you look at this and you go, wow, guys, I get it, but I also don't get it. Yeah. And you don't get a cold drink with that. You don't get a free pass up to the lighthouse. No, no, that's all extra yeah. stuff as well. That's just your entrance fees. Yeah, and you want uh, people to come South Africa. You don't want to chase them away. Yeah. Really? <laughs> so I I don't know how in an hour, hour and a half, I use up that much worth of infrastructure and that does that many resources. But anyway, yeah. so again, Cape Point, stunning. It was a beautiful day. The guys all took the little funicular up to the old lighthouse. And one little incident there really struck me. I, I, I went up to the lighthouse as well. Which lighthouse is this now? It's the one at Cape Point. At it's the, Cape it's the Point. old Cape Point lighthouse. It's the one oh. on top of the mountain. Oh, okay. And all that right. one's no longer in use. I had to build a second lighthouse because the one at the top was in cloud too often and it didn't work. They, didn't, oh. they built it on the top of the mountain instead of the bottom of the mountain. So, okay, yeah. That and makes sense. There, there I see some guy, I think it was a local with a stone, scratching his name into the paintwork on the lighthouse. And I just went, no, guys, come on, really? Yeah, no. Just no, no. Yes. You know, no one no one cares that, that, that Johnny Smith was there, whatever the guy's name was. You know, and I, and I actually <laughs> I actually shouted at him. I said, no, that's just not the way to behave. And he, he, he did have the good grace to look a bit sheepish. <laughs> but again, you know, you, Cape Point, it's yeah. one of these spots. And unfortunately, that lovely restaurant that was there has shut down. It is no longer. That's just boarded up. So that that's a great pity because, I mean, that's one of those stunning spots to sit and just look out over the ocean. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sh- I'm pretty sure someone will take up the franchise there again in a, in a couple of months when it starts building yeah. up again. But it's a sad, sad to see that place all boarded up. The take the takeaway spot couldn't couldn't handle the group that we had. But that's fine. You know, then from there you go to the Cape of Good Hope. Everybody yeah. pop, pops in at Cape of Good Hope. You all go and have your little photographs taken with a little sign saying Cape of Good Hope. Yeah. And then you up the, um, up the other side of the, um, Cape Peninsula heading out towards Simonstown. And that's always, again, that's a beautiful drive. You get into Simonstown. And we decided to stop for lunch first in Simonstown and then go and have a look at the penguins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Simonstown's a stunning spot. They've got a very nice little center square there. There must be five or six different restaurants dotted around. Simonstown is still operating. Everything looked like it was still open. And okay. the entire group bombshelled out, and I told them all to go and have a Haken chips. Oh, yeah. Simonstown's got about <laughs> the best Haken chips in the country. Yeah, awesome. And the people bombshelled to different various restaurants. And I and I, I swear some of the waiters were almost in tears when they saw that, saw those groups arriving. <laughs> they just hadn't seen groups like that. Yeah, yeah. We were and and as it as it transpires as we go through the story of this tour, we were actually the first big group in three years. Sure. Other groups had gone through before us, like through Durban, Swaziland, Kruger. Yeah. But you're talking groups of 12, 14 kind of people. Yeah. I, I pumped 80 passengers into every one of these venues. Sure. So, yeah, beautiful, beautiful lunch in Simonstown. Everybody went and um, patted just nuisance. And you got to touch his <laughs> yeah. nose. you got to rub his nose and for, yeah. for some good luck there in Simonstown. 
<laughs> oh, just nuisance. Oh, just nuisance. He's still saying, and I'm glad to see that they've actually fixed the statue. Is it? Because a little while ago, and I can't remember if it was last, it was probably, okay, look, called two, three years ago. It was just nuisance is standing there on his statue, and, and at, at his feet, he, there's a, it's a little bronze, it's a bronze statue. There's a, a replica of his, of his sailor's hat and his collar. Oh, yes. He's lying, yes. he's lying there. And some idiot had gone and broken that off. Oh. Obviously, no. Used it to go sell for scrap metal or to melt it down or something. Yeah. But I saw now that it was repaired. It was probably repaired last time, a couple of weeks ago when I was there as well. But just nice to see that that was, that was now, um, sorted out. But anyway, so that's, yeah, so that, that, that's sort of your, um, your Cape Town Peninsula Day after, after, after you've done the penguins. Um, the folks always love the penguins. You go to the penguins. Yes, yes. After lunch. <laughs> and that's just a stunning walk. And I also, I had, I had to giggle because a couple of my clients have got a, got a lack of fright there. Because you've got this, this nice walkway that goes down to the penguins. And again, I moan about the price. Again, it's, it's yeah. 300 rand per person or something to get into yeah. the penguins. International prices. They are local prices. And while I was standing at the entrance there, I was busy paying and getting, getting my, gazillion pieces of paper to let my people my people through one of the locals walks up to the to the kiosk and the local prices are a lot cheaper than the international prices yeah and she stands there and, she, and she's sort of saying they all you know wow you know there's four of us and it's expensive and that uh, you got to show an id you got to show a south african id to qualify for your south african price yeah what do you mm-hmm. see there and I, I just couldn't resist. I just couldn't resist. I said, you see penguins. You see big penguins, small penguins, medium-sized penguins. You see penguins sitting down. You see penguins sitting. You see penguins standing up. You see penguins sleeping. You see penguins awake. <laughs> <laughs> and she just looked at me, and you could see this look going across her face. Eventually, she saw the joke. Yeah. And when you go into the penguins, what do you expect to see the penguins? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's like a long walkway that goes down. And on the way back up, I, I was I was walking back up, and you go up through like a little curio shop, and I see two little dussies um, on the on the walkway, yeah, and they were having a discussion about something. And behind me, the no, my first my first uh, clients are coming up behind me, and these two dussies now decide to go and play catches, and they go galloping <laughs> down this this walkway, and they went straight over the feet to one of the ladies. Oh yeah, on the tour, oh, man, she jumped and she yelled. <laughs> as these dussies ran straight over her feet, <laughs> you know, just out of nowhere, you suddenly get this dussy that that, run, that, that comes running at you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, so back into a hotel that night. Most of the people went off waterfront. That waterfront is still stunning. It's absolutely beautiful at night. The little boats in the harbour, little lights in the water in the harbour, yeah. noises, and the you know, you've got the seals, and you hear you're hearing the seagulls, and the waterfront was pumping. Is it? It was wow, absolutely pumping. I compare it to the couple of weeks before that I was in, in Cape Town where it was yeah, dead. Yes. It was pumping. Maybe it was the school holidays. Maybe it was weekend. Maybe it was day after payday. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but it was pumping. Okay. Because on the day that the folks arrived, they had to go and buy one or two little goodies there as well. And you almost you couldn't walk in a straight line. The little amphitheater there had the music guys going. The whole amphitheater yeah. was full of people and so good to see. Yeah, that it was yeah. all starting to happen again. Coming back, all of it starting to happen again. <clears throat> but yeah, the, from there, the next next day we um, pack up and move out of Cape Town. Now we fly through to Durban, and again, bit of a mission to get flights. That was a lot of lot of humming and hawing and toing and froing, 
And of course, South African Airways, I keep on advising my operator not to use South African Airways because you never know if they're going to take off or not. Yeah. In fact, you don't even know if they're going to exist from one day to the next. Yeah. So it flew <laughs> one of the one of the other regional airlines, and that flight did not have a seat left on it. It was packed. Oh, completely, absolutely <laughs> packed. And I think they make those seats for very small little skinny people <laughs> people and they're not made for guys my size and of course there's three of us now my size all sitting in the seat so it's not a great yeah. flight for two and a half hours across through to durban yeah and i'm tall and i uh, just those seats uh, can be so uncomfortable i've just got a problem i don't have a problem with the tall my leg my legs fit yeah but my shoulders <laughs> don't if I, there's two yeah. guys or three guys my size with shoulder with you yeah you kind of you got to hunch yourself in for those couple of hours so i'm yeah. not i'm not a big fan of of of, of flying I mean, it's, again, it's a lovely flight from Cape Town through to Durban. Um, on a clear day, you actually sort of just skirt over the mountains of Lesotho. You can actually see the mountains of Lesotho as you're coming in, coming in through through to Durban. How long is the flight from uh, Cape Town to Durban? Just over two hours. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So it's a bit longer from Cape Town to Durban, uh, if uh, rather if you're going from Cape Town to Joburg. Yeah. It's about okay. it's a, sort of about the same, but yeah, somewhere around there. Okay. I think some, I think it depends on whether the pilot's late for lunch or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. But then then in into Durban, all no dramas there. Durban porters, they were okay. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> the yeah. Durban the Durban porters were good, so the Durban Oaks need to teach the Cape Town Oaks what to do. Yeah. And again, they were lacquer. Organized price. There we go. Three guys in there, loaded up two buses, walked away super happy. I think they, I think they earned, earned like like a week's pay in yeah. the spot in the space of an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. The Americans are not shy to pay. They're certainly not shy to pay when it when it comes to tips and and this kind of stuff. And that yeah. all runs through the operator. They they bring two tour leaders with them. So so that's always cool. Off into Umschlanger Rocks, and we overnight there one of the hotels in Umschlanger Rocks. The hotel, great, just been revamped. So a lot of the hotel groups use the time to revamp the hotels, redo stuff, and remake yeah, stuff. Yeah. So really, really nice. But we arrive there, and you expect the hotels to now have some kind of plan for checking 80 people in. But oh. this has got to be one of the most horrendous <laughs> check-ins I've ever had. Oh, no. They didn't have all the card keys ready. <laughs> they had all of them in one pile. And, one ton. and you go, come on, guys, it's not hard. You put one... One, you put A, A, A to F on this table, you know, G to J on the next table, yeah. you know, whatever it is, you know, split it up into four different groups or something. Let the people yeah. get their pieces of paper, put out, put out a hundred pens so people can fill in. Yeah. And again, some of the rules with the hotels, you're not allowed to check somebody in if they don't fill in the registration card. They've got to have a copy of their passport handed in. Oh. You know, and yeah. it just, and, you know, one or two people, easy stuff. Bang, quickly, thank you, sir. Photocopy, yeah. let's go. 80 people 80 now. 80 people, yeah. You know, and the luggage, <laughs> of course, piles up and, yeah. Oh, lovely. But anyway, so, <laughs> and again, one of the one of the things there, myself and, the, and my buddy arrived there, and we go, okay, you know what? Everyone's a little bit out of practice with the stuff, so we. I just want to get a backup microphone. We thought about it in Cape Town. Yeah. We forgot about buying backup microphones in the coach in Cape Town. Oh yeah. Every, now sally forth into um what's it I think Umschlanger Ridge, that massive shopping center in Umschlanger Ridge. Yes. And it's the first time I've walked that whole shopping center. Okay. Well, it's huge. I think it's a kilometer and a half or something. <laughs> oh wow. Downstairs <laughs> and then another kilometer and a half back again upstairs. Yeah. 
Not a single place had a microphone. Oh my word! Not one. The, the 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 normal big retail shops, the big the big names. Nobody had microphones, and eventually yeah. we walked into a, like a karaoke music shop. Yeah, <laughs> and they, he had he had two microphones, and he he he, he actually um dismembered a little set like a karaoke set, and he just sold us the microphones. Yeah. So at least we had got managed to get spare microphones. But my God, but that, that shopping center is just too big. It's literally like a kilometer and a half of walking. And but again, nice to see very few shops were shut. So the places all open. The restaurants all seem to be operating. There were a lot of people in and, in and around the shopping center. Yeah. So that's like and our next day. Bang, off we go now. And we got a day up Sani Pass. Now, Sani Pass is normally just over a two-hour drive out of Durban. Okay. You head up, you head up the um, the N two or the N three rather. You head up the N three, and at um, you know you go up through Peter Marisburg, Howick. At Howick, you swing <laughs> off, and now you head down through to um, Underberg. Oh yes. So it's an early depart. Hotel was super accommodating. They organised early breakfast for us, so that's like a, you know breakfast packs. I hate breakfast packs. So I think the, <laughs> the, I think the kitchen already probably open. I think the staff was probably already already operating by like half past four in the morning. Oh. For a six o'clock breakfast, quarter to yeah. seven, guys, let's move. And off we go, Sani Pass. And that road, oh my word, that road. The trucks, the trucks and the roadworks oh. on the N3 was indescribable. It was, it, was, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute horror show. Yeah. The amount of traffic on that N3. And I get it, it's all the transport, it's all the stuff coming up into Johannesburg. The, railway, the railways don't work properly. Yeah. So everything now goes up by container truck. Yes. And then you're down to one lane. <laughs> one lane. You're down oh, to one no. lane on the N3. So it oh. took us almost three hours now to get into Underberg. So that, of course, messes up your day a little bit. Yeah. And it makes for a very late, very late return, unfortunately, um, in the evening. But, again, it's just that, that, that the Sani Pass is just, again, one of those stunning days. And they've tried, they've tarred the road now all the way to the police post, to the border post, which, oh, was, yeah. which was new for me as well. Last time I was there, it had been par- tarred up to the, the what they call the Sani Pass Hotel, and it was still dirt. Oh, but okay. now they've added another, I don't know, 12 or 15 kilometers on of serious windy, windy mountain road right up through to the to the um, to the Syracuse border post, which is great. It saves an awful lot of time and mucking about. Yeah. And it's a really, really scenic drive, and it just makes makes the day flow that much faster. But then you get onto the dirt now to go up the pass. And, of course, a lot (laughs) of rain had fallen. There's been a lot of rain in KZN, so the pass was super bumpy. Yeah, But it's an exciting day. You know, we had to ignore the the operator I've used for years. Couldn't help me with the size group. They couldn't find enough vehicles. So I used used the other operator in town who jumped at the opportunity, of course, to get a group of 80 packs in. Yeah, yeah. And um, they managed to get, get the vehicles for us. So I think we had a convoy of eight, nine, no, even more than I think we had 11 vehicles or 12 vehicles going up the pass. Sure. Wow. And it's just a stunning day. The scenery is mind-blowingly beautiful. It, again, was a crystal clear day. And I don't know, this tour, somehow this operator, we always managed to skid in through the good weather. We had the most beautiful days in Cape Town. We, the day we yeah. fly to Durban, pouring with rain, cold and miserable in Cape Town. Then in Durban, sunny pass day, crystal clear day up and down the pass. Um, we had to have our COVID vaccination certificates for 
Paul Lesotho, so that was a bit of a mission in Cape Town. We had to get guys into the hotel to come and do the COVID tests. And, oh, yeah. And again, you look at the money these guys charge. 1,600 Rand for a PCR test. Yes, times 80. Do the maths. Very fast and efficient. They took one of the conference rooms and everybody had a little swab next day. All the emails came through. And thank goodness we did actually have those tests done because we've got a couple of stories come out of these stupid pieces of paper over the next couple of days. (laughs) So it all gets handed in at the Lesotho border post and they're all lacking the stamp, 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 stamp. And off we go into the the little village. And again, it's a very humbling experience because you go there and... It's this village. It's 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 a, it's a straggle of eight or ten little huts. That's it. Yeah. In the distance is the one of the government sponsored shearing sheds because that's the merino wool and the angora wool. Yeah. That generates a lot of the income up there. But then the shepherds come out, and I don't know where these guys come from. Because when you arrive there, there's no one. Yeah. Yeah. And then you turn around, and suddenly there's like five of these guys standing there. Yeah. And you honestly don't know where they've popped out. It's like they popped out of the ground. They've just arrived. <laughs> and they come and have a look at... And the guys are just wrapped in a blanket. He's got a, a Busutu blanket on. He's got a pair of PT shorts on. He's got Wellington boots on. Gum boots on. Yeah. And that's how he's dressed. Okay. And his his life is just looking after sheep and goats and some cattle. Yeah. Comes winter time. They move off down to the, down to the lowlands. Slightly Slightly less cold down there. And come summertime, they move back up onto the islands, um, which is Sani Pass. Yeah. And the guide gives a nice little just talk on Basutu culture and, you know, on, on the lifestyle. And, and the, and the yeah. clients, you can see these clients standing there. You can see the cogs turning, <laughs> trying to work out what they are seeing. Yeah. What they are seeing. Because this is these these are people living up there who might get ten dollars a month as income. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Yeah. That's they live off the land. A lot of the guys live off the land. There's and, and that's it, you know. Maybe one of the most bizarre questions I ever got asked up there was how do they get their post? Give me everything. And you look at the lady and you go That's implying that there's a postal service and it's implying that he's gone to school. It's implying that he can read and write. It's implying that there is a system. It's implying, you know, there's a, and you can see people are struggling to put this into context of their lives. Yeah. Because it's just something so, so different. But uh, we always have a nice lunch there, the highest pub in Africa, or the highest, the, the claimed highest pub in Africa. Is right on the edge of the pass there. Stunning views yeah. down the valley. Have very, very nice lunch. So we rotate the group. There are 40 people go to the lunch first and 40 people go to the village and then we swap around. Yeah. A little bit yeah. later on. The place is just not big enough for a group of 80 packs. Yes. And then late afternoon, back down and then back down into Durban. And because of the roadworks, I don't know. And, and, and I take my hat off to our coach drivers. Those guys are masters, masters at their art. You're driving a massive 53-seater coach and you've got trucks and roadworks and cones and these oh. water barrier things. <laughs> and they they drive this thing and it's literally, they, they know how wide that bus is to like two centimeters or three yeah. centimeters. It was yes. incredible. <laughs> Absolute masters of their art. Those coach driving guys. 
Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the, 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 when we arrived at the hotel, the guys actually gave them a standing ovation as to how they handled these coaches and on those conditions. It is, it's unbelievable. Awesome. <laughs> it's actually awesome. un- unbelievable. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so, so that's sort of your Durban, the, the, our, our Durban experience. Unfortunately, we haven't got too much time to, to tour around Durban. Durban does have a couple of interesting spots that are worth looking at. And again, refer previous podcasts we didn't want to think it's just entirely on turban at one point yeah okay so now we're heading towards yeah no, after so from, durban. now from from durban we're heading up into zululand and again iconic spot in zululand is the st lucia estuary world heritage site the whole oh yes the whole, and it's beautiful i mean st lucia is a really great great spot and for the first time in years this group actually we, we actually overnighted in st lucia for two nights Oh, okay. Um, norm- normally, what we would do is go. So we'd go screaming in the morning into one of these um, what they call cultural shows. Oh, yes. Go into one of the Zulu villages, and you get the show and the dance, and you get through the you know go through the through the what they call the cultural experience, and they show you how they yeah. make beer and handwork and all the rest of it. Yeah. But the place was still closed. My normal spot was closed, so mm. we had to find a new a new spot for that one, and. Um, I got put onto a lady who lives in the St. Lucia area. She actually won Cultural Tour Guide of the Year, I think, last year or the year before. So, Oh, nice. And very, very different. It was it was very, very interesting, but very different to the normal one. Because the normal one is you go into this, in inverted commas, Zulu village, and the guys are all in traditional kit, and, you know, the warriors come and meet you with a spear and a, and a, and a yeah. shield and all the rest yeah. of it. But that is not real life anymore. Yes. It's a bit of a show. And this lady actually took us into her village just outside St. Lucia. Okay. And the coach drivers, again, were sitting with very big wide open eyes <laughs> as they were driving down these little dirt roads in between the little settlements and the village and the cows and the houses. And yeah. we went to her house and met the family. And the coach drivers then had to disappear and go, and where they turned the coaches around, I really don't know. But uh, they managed to turn the coaches around somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you're talking is the huge, huge double X, still double door coach. Yeah. I mean, this is, not a, this is not a combi. Yeah. And uh, they managed to do that. And then we now go and we went to go visit the Sangoma. Yeah, those things are 20 meters long or something That's like that. That's huge. I don't know the, wow. exact, the exact dimensions. But, <laughs> but now we, we, leave, we leave her village. And I appreciated that, 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 that visit because when you're driving in those rural areas, it is kilometers and kilometers and kilometers of exactly that. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what you were seeing. And again, for the international traveler, it's a massively important aspect to understand bits and pieces of South Africa and where yes. we come from, what we've got, how people live, etc. because it's just so different. Yeah. And then we went to go visit the Sangoma. And again, you know, when you go to those set-up cultural villages, you go to the Sangoma. But I'm never convinced it's a proper Sangoma. It's not a qualified Sangoma. It's someone there yeah. pretending to be a Sangoma. Or something, yeah. And um, so the lady now takes us down a different dirt road. And again, the bus drivers are big, wide-open eyes. And at one stage, a big sandy patch in there, and we had to like drive up half the embankment. And oh, you know? <laughs> wow! Okay. <laughs> but then we visited the the Sangoma. Yeah. 
And you can see this is a practicing Sangoma in the village. Yeah. Lovely elderly gentleman in his hut with all his mooties and his medicines. Yeah. And again, it was real. Yes. Which to me is so important because the Sangoma is such a misunderstood part of culture in South Africa. Yeah. And I hate the name witch doctor. Do not even mention the words witch doctor to me, so I'll actually clap you. <laughs> um, you know, and the Sangoma plays such an important role in that culture there. And to go and visit this guy and have him try and explain how he does it, etc., was just, it was magnificent. Yeah, it in, must in, be. In his, in his hut house with all his paraphernalia and stuff. And again, the clients come out of there. You can see that the cogs are turning, trying yeah. to work out what they've actually just experienced. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was really cool. And then the lady had organized us a lunch. And again, I think it was her mother's house or it was her house. And we visited her mother's house earlier. I can't remember exactly what it was. But for her, again, she said it was the biggest group she's ever had. So yeah. she, was, she was super nervous, but super organized, super prepared. Yeah. And we had lunch in her yard. Yeah. Under this beautiful big spreading, <laughs> I think it was a big spreading mango tree. Yeah. And obviously nobody owns 80 chairs. Yeah. She'd got beer crates and covered the beer crates with some material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sitting she's in better the, prepared than the hotel that you were trying to yeah, look into. No, absolutely. And she done a, she did a superb job. So I'm I'm gonna try and convince my operator in the US to use her again. Yeah. Because to me, it was just more real and it was, it, it, it was really cool. Yeah. And the local dance, dance troupe came out and did, did some Zulu dances for us. And the whole village is standing, half the village is standing at the fence cheering the guys on now because this is now their guys. You yeah. Know, this is their, yeah. their troop and the members of their village actually doing it now. Yes. And a superb lunch. Lovely, lovely lunch. Some chicken and pup and some, um, samp and, all, all sorts of yummy stuff there. Yeah. Under the tree. I don't know what she's going to do if it ever starts raining there, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, they will, we'll worry about that next time. But a really well organized, well sorted out little lunch there. And honestly, better than some hotels and some of those other villages that I've been to. Yeah. So that was really, really cool. Then, of course, we do the boat trip in the afternoon. And, uh, Again, funny, funny story we get there. I always use one particular boat, but that boat was out of action because I think the first time they took <laughs> it out was the day before and somebody crashed the boat to put a hole in it. Oh, no. So the boat was in dry dock. <laughs> so we it. had to use a different boat. But it's fine. I mean, the boat on the, on the, on the estuary is a boat on the estuary. And the estuary is actually, actually quite sad now because the mouth of the estuary has been closed forever. And. Oh. It's no longer open to the ocean, so you're no longer getting that interaction between salt water and fresh water, yeah. and that that whole estuarine um, interaction. Now, what's the reason for that? That is open to discussion right now, and a lot of people are saying it's a natural occurrence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but there's a whole school of thought that also puts the blame on the sugarcane farmers on the Black Umfalosi River, who've changed the course of the Umfalosi. Ah. With some drainage channels and all the rest of it. Yeah. So the water now no longer flows like it used to. Ah. And no one's ever really come to consensus with what it's about. And it's a very, it's a really, really hot topic and it's a very controversial topic. And people yeah. have been hitting and clapping each other and getting into fist <laughs> fights about it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And a little while ago, the residents of St. Lucia actually went against the parks board and against the authorities and opened it up. They, they, they organized a front end loader and a, and a, like a back actor and opened up the mouth. Oh, yeah. And got the water to come back in again. There was a lot of, lot of happiness and jubilation and you could see it was working. Yeah, yeah. But then it closed up again. Oh, lovely. And as far as I know, it's still closed now. <clears throat> I'm of the opinion that it should, should be opened. It's an estuary. Estuaries need salt water. Yeah, yeah. And when you now take the boat trip up the estuary, and I'm going back on memory from 20 years ago, you're not seeing the variety of animals anymore. You're not seeing the numbers of hippos and crocodiles. Most of the mangroves are dead. Wow. It was one of the last places in South Africa with extensive mangrove forests. And mangroves need salt water. They need that tidal interaction and the flushing of the salt water in and over the roots. They need that, the, the, you know, the water going up and down with the tides. Yeah. And now you can just see all the mangroves are dead. There's just rows of the whole plantations in inverted commas are just dead trees there. Oh no. So that's kind of sad. And I do think, some some clear thinking's got to happen there if they're going to still keep that as a major tourist attraction. Yeah, we did get up some close to up close to some some hippos. The bird life is still cool. Look, it's, it's a boat trip. It's a lovely afternoon. It's a gentle putt 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 on 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 clear water or on, yeah. on on flat water, not clear water, flat water. You know, and it it is lovely. I mean, you if you you from the top deck we saw some water buck and some zebra on the eastern shores. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice afternoon. There's no, there's no, yeah. There's, you you can't deny that it's a, that it's a very very pleasant experience. But more hippos, more crocodiles, more bird life, mangroves and stuff yes. should actually be part of it. So I don't know what what the what the new um, thinking is down there. If, if even if there is any thinking from Parks Board uh. at this stage, <laughs> but yeah, again that night. Guys go into town, and that's what is what makes St. Lucia very special. It's got a, such a nice little little village atmosphere. Main Street, all sorts of little restaurants and shops, and it's all yeah. based on fishing and tourism. And some of my clients came back to me the next day, and they said, wow, you know, we've been listening to you talking about tourism and the issues, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and last night it hit us. I go, why? They were chatting to the owner of a pizzeria. Oh, yeah. And they said to me, okay, they bear out your story. And the guy, the, the pizzeria owner said to them, I'm, I'm 58 or whatever it is. Yeah. And I've survived it, but I'm starting again. Yeah. I'm starting again. Savings are gone. Yeah. Backups are gone. Investments got called in. You know, pension funds got hauled out to, to survive and pay the house and pay for yeah. everything and keep yourself going. Said, I saved my business. I still got my business. I still got my pizza place. Yeah. But at 58 years old, I'm starting again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's harsh. Yeah, that is. That's really harsh. <clears throat> and I think there's a lot of people sitting there. There's a lot of people in tourism that had that day. Yeah. There's a lot of people that had in tourism that had that. And again, it's just so wrong. One of the biggest foreign currency earners in South Africa. And it got abandoned in COVID. It got absolutely yeah. abandoned in COVID. We had the Minister of Tourism doing jollies all over the country, visiting everyone, yeah. but doing nothing. Uh, and I, I can get very vociferous about it. <laughs> yeah. But again, so lovely nights in St. Lucia, lovely restaurants, beautiful fish. I had some awesome 
fish and chips and stuff on the one little deck outside St. Lucia and really nice hotel. Again, you know, you, you look at the hotels and I, and I think they hold a lot of the rooms out of mothballs for this group. Because yeah. you, you go there and like the aircon, the batteries in the aircon remote are flat. <laughs> you, you know, it's <laughs> been lying there for so long yeah. that the aircon doesn't, batteries don't, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But just go to reception, get new batteries. Ah, oh, click the, hey, fantastic, here we go, and it all works again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, you know, these, these little signs, you can see the guys are struggling. They're really struggling to get, get it going. You can see that they've let staff go. The restaurant yeah. and the hotel was closed. And you go, okay. I get it. You know, he has, there's not yeah. enough through traffic to yeah. warrant keeping the kitchen open at night. And he doesn't know if the group's going to have a, a dinner in the hotel or go into town. Yeah. But yeah, so next, next day, off we go. Now we've got a day in the Kluwe on Falozi Park. And that's a, a beautiful park. It really is a stunning, stunning nature reserve. The beautiful scenery, very different to Kruger. It's a little bit more tropical, a lot more hilly. Yeah. And, uh, had the first issue with the coaches there. And now we drive from St. Lucia through Matuba Tuba and into the to, to the Umfalozi Kluwe Park. And uh there's roadworks. Again, there's roadworks. Oh, lovely. And of course it's early morning, so the traffic control guys are not there yet. Yeah. So the night before the guys said, Look, if it's that early, just drive. Don't you know? So there's very little traffic, so you can just drive down the one lane. If you hit other cars, you'll just pass each other. <laughs> anyway, so we're now okay. going down the road, and now we suddenly hit the stream of traffic coming down the other side. So I don't know, maybe the traffic control guys on the other side had woken up and had, had let the first batch of cars through. Yeah. So now, of course, the coaches are sitting there, and they're going, okay, we'll be the nice guys. So they pull over to the place where they're busy fixing the road or retarring the road. You know, they yeah. always put the stones and rocks in little lines across the road. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so the coaches pull up there. We wait for the traffic to come past. Swing back onto the onto the main main road, we get going, and suddenly we just hear this right, clunk, 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 oh. clunk, and we and the guy oh, geez, we picked up a flat. Oh, lovely! Anyway, so we can't stop anywhere; it's too narrow to stop. There's no so we got this huge rattle and this huge noise coming out yeah. the back of the coach. Eventually, we stop and we go, and there's a rock now caught between the double tires on the back axle. Oh, it picked up one of the rocks as the tire went over, just slotted over. One of these rocks and this thing got stuck in these tires. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so, okay, so no flat, no nothing. So eventually he decides to drive. Clunk, 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 clunk. And then suddenly you hear a bang. Clunk, 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 gone. <laughs> okay, the rock's out. But it had punctured the one wheel. But anyway. Oh, yeah. So a slightly slower drive through to the, through to the park. And uh, they, they called the emergency services guys and they went back to Matuba Tuba. Matuba Tuba's got a huge service industry. So it's on, it's on the N2 there. Yeah. So there's tire places and fix-it places and all sorts of things in Matuba Tuba. But again, a magnificent day in Tlitliwi on Falozi. And, I mean, we picked up this. We picked up rhino, buffalo, elephant. Um, we picked up a lion at the end of the day as well. Sure. Okay. So um, we, always, we, have a, we have a picnic breakfast there. So catering guys come and organize the tables as, you, as, the, as the open vehicles arrive. Breakfast is there on the tables for the clients. And uh, monkey patrollers, of course, is happening because the monkeys know about this. <laughs> and the monkeys are constantly trying to steal apples and yogurts and things yeah. off the tables. And there's, there's always an incident. Someone's not watching, <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's, he's reaching for his muffin on the plate, and wham, the muffin's gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
magic. Yeah, magic. And there goes the monkey goes running off with a muffin, and then of course everyone's screaming after this monkey. <laughs> it was Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, they, we did we do a big barbecue bry lunch in the park for the afternoon. Oh, nice. And that's just that's just stunning. In this, you're in the game park, and you've got the monkeys around you. The huge bry yeah. smell of burros and chicken societies over the campsite. Mm, mm, you know, mm. my mouth is watering now. <laughs> it's just a beautiful day. Open vehicles, and the guys are seeing buffaloes. It's their first time they're seeing wildlife, and it's the first yeah. genuine game drive that they've had. We've had rhinos across the road in front of us. We had elephant across the road in front of us. You know, buffalo, massive herd of buffalo, buffaloes down in the river. Yeah, just oh, awesome. just mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing for the folks. And we get we get back to Saint Lucia. That late that afternoon, we meet the well, we meet the coaches at the gate again. Um, coaches back into St. Lucia. The coach has been been repaired and sorted out, so no no issues there. Quickly into the hotel, safari kit into bedroom, swimming kit out. Bang! Vehicles take us down to the beach. That afternoon, they're swimming in the Indian Ocean, and you just saw saw the folks just going. This is just awesome. <laughs> this is just awesome, 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 unbelievable stuff. And I mean, I, one or one or two of the guys on the on the tour had messaged me before. You know, are you the guy that you know? As we see your picture, and I said, yeah, you know, you got the right guy. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? How does this work? How does that work? So when you do the messenger thing, I think you have to friend each other on Facebook, however it yeah. works. Yeah. And I picked up a couple of the Facebook posts. Okay. And the the photos go out there. And the guys are going, where else do you watch rhinos, buffaloes, elephants, and lions in the morning and swim in the Indian Ocean in the afternoon? (laughs) (laughs) And we take this stuff, we take this so for granted. Yeah. But the the spots and the places and the nature and the facilities and the tourism opportunities that we got in this country are mind-blowing. Yeah. They're absolutely mind-blowing. And this particular tour for this operator, and I understand this operator of the U.S. goes to China. He goes to Russia. He does the whole of Eastern Europe. He does South America. He does Antarctica. Oh, he wow. does, he, you know, Antarctica. Oh. He does, and he does, <laughs> he, he charters cruise ships to Antarctica. Gee whiz. Okay. And the South African tour rates as number three. Okay. In the wow. world. Nice. Of all the itineraries that this guy does. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That is unbelievable. Of all that these is, destinations, yeah. and you're talking Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, South America, Antarctica, Europe, yeah. Canada, you know, the Bahamas, whatever you can think of, this guy does. Yeah. We, we rate it at the moment his third, his third top tour. Sure. That is nice. Just for, for yeah. variety, scenery, facilities, and the, way that, and the way that this thing runs. Yes. Well, that is awesome. So, so very tough. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah. So, Indian Ocean, bang, swim in the Indian Ocean. Everybody loved it. And then, of course, back that night into the hotel in Saint Lucia, and uh, then, of course, you now prepare for Swaziland. Swaziland. Next day into Eswatini. Eswatini, as it's now called, they've decided yeah. to rename the country. So, Swazi, they, they do it on a different level. We only re- rename streets in a little town or something. These guys renamed the whole country. <laughs> oh, don't give them ideas. Please don't give them ideas. 
<laughs> There's already a lot of people unhappy about the name changes, <laughs> yeah, no, including yeah, me. Yeah, let's, let's, let's not rename the whole of South Africa. That would be taking a little bit too far. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it looks like we've hit our time in yet. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't looks even like check the time. Looks like we've hit our hour already. That went fast. Oh, wow. Yes, that, that did. Gee whiz. Okay, so... Hundreds. Okay, guys, been a lot of fun again. And, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting couple of perspectives coming up because now in the next episodes, we now cover, we, we cover six countries in this tour. The entire tour, we actually visit six different countries and we've, we've been South Africa, Lesotho so far in this episode. So we still got to get to the other four, four spots yeah. in our next talk. 